Snake Sharks 29. This is T. You see me on Twitter at Ricky Rawls, R-I-C-K-Y-R-A-W-L-S. And with me is Mike. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Mike. Find me on Twitter at Black Exception One. Let's get it cracking. Okay, great. Uh, just some housekeeping to get out the way. Um, we have one episode a week, but you can get double the episodes. That means bonus content if you sign up at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash champagne sharks. No underscores. And it's only $5 a month, and you get two episodes a week instead of one, and it's a good value. And another thing is, we had a lot of technical difficulties in the beginning as we were teaching ourselves the ropes. That's why in the beginning, it was mostly solo episodes. Then it was mostly episodes with co-hosts once we started getting comfortable having multiple people. And we only had a few guests, but now that I feel comfortable with the having multiple people on an episode thing, we are going to start having more guests in the future because I didn't want to have guests on and have a lot of technical difficulties while we were talking to them. So expect to see a lot more guests in the coming months. And if you have any you want to suggest, feel free to. Email at champagnesharks at gmail.com. Or we just want to have any type of suggestions at all. Topic suggestions, feedback, commentary. You can go to champagnesharks at gmail.com. That's the joint show email. So you can contact all three of us there. And that's all the housekeeping out of the way. Mike, how is everything going? Hey, I can't really complain. It's uh Fall seems like it's really setting in here in uh, the Midwest. Uh, it's cool, but still pleasant. But summer's definitely gone here. Yeah, same here. And, you know, speaking of the Midwest, I had gone to Chicago a couple months ago, and I thought the deep dish pizza was a bit much. But those Chicago hot dogs, I, I bring this up a lot, but I'm obsessed with Chicago hot dogs. I can't find a good one in New York, and it's driving me fucking nuts. Wow. You know, I, I thought New York would be like the mecca of cuisine, that you would be able to find, like, you know, some of everything there. You can, usually, but there's some things. I don't know. Either you can't find them here, or you can't find good ones. And there are people who are attempting to make uh, Chicago hot dogs. Mm-hmm. I tried, like, three of them. They all are just terrible. Sometimes, wow. you know what they do here sometimes? They try to make it highbrow, and it doesn't work. Like, they'll put, like, um, artisanal pickles or something like that. They're doing something that's just fucking it up. I don't know what it is. Like Grey Poupon or something instead of just regular yeah. yellow mustard? Yeah, something is, like, some things don't work when you make them highbrow. Like I feel like hot fried chicken is one of them. Like, mm-hmm. whenever I go to a gourmet spot for fried chicken, it's just not the same. I feel like that's the same thing with that. Um, Chicago hot dog. I, it's not. It's not coming together for me. Like, is it um, the hot? Like, is it the hot dog itself, or is it the the, the hot like dog is part of? The hot dog is part of it because in Chicago, just the beef of the hot dog I thought was superior. Yeah. But think about the ingredients. Like, like you know that bright green uh, relish? relish. Yeah, 
that shit tastes so good. And yeah, man. Like I went to um a, some spots here, including Shake Shack. Shake Shack has one, and they call it the Chicago, with the word "shake" in it instead of Chicago, uh-huh. right? And I would be okay with the pun if it tasted better, but it's the pickles. It's like it's like those Brooklyn made like hipster type pickle mm. relish, which is normally good, but it doesn't work on that the Chicago town dog. Yeah, yeah. So. You know what, T? You got like a, you've got like a high, not just like with food, with with everything. It seems like you got like a high threshold, a high standard, you know, that you hold everything up to, and you almost seem it's almost you all you seem almost impossible to please, brother. Is it that? Or is it is it you? How does you? How does how do how do the other people there's feel truth, about these dogs? There's some truth to that because. Like, my wife always says, like, you know, did you grow up in a palace? Because she doesn't understand where <laughs> I got this kind of... Because she's like, you, how did you grow up blue collar? And then you have the most ridiculous uh, taste. And I don't know why. I think I got it from my mom. Because my mom always tried to buy, like, really nice quality stuff. My, my mom's mm-hmm. a really good cook. My mom mm-hmm. is a really good cook. If, my biggest... Um, Regret. I always tell my mom about this. Is she if she had opened up a restaurant, I think it would have really, really done well. Oh wow! If she had that entrepreneurial like uh, type of spirit, mm-hmm. and people always told her that too. And I always say like she, uh, like if my dad was a kind of dad who, because you know sometimes you get married to somebody and they're the kind of be like, listen, I'm taking half the money we have, and you're gonna do this. Because this is too good not to do. Like, like my dad didn't have that like entrepreneurial spirit, and he wasn't like a yeah. super. Uh, he wasn't one of those people that's like super supportive about stuff. He was always yeah. like a play a play it safe kind of guy. Yeah, that's a risk. That's a big risk, you know, to to, yeah. to, to step out there with that. So you know. Yeah, but I think she would have. Re- I think she would have been happy doing it too, because she's one of those people that likes to cook for people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think that probably is what didn't help because uh, she was always cooking really well. Uh, yeah. yeah. So hey, once once you get used to a, a certain level, it's it's everything gets measured against that. So I I understand that. You know, I noticed with you, it's not just it's everything that you like your your taste in movies, taste in literature, everything's if it's you've got a yeah, pretty uh, high standard, that's that's and that's true. not a bad thing either. That's not a bad thing at all. But you know what's interesting though? I have a low standard too because when I like something low brow, I like it like pretty lowbrow so it's so like um like you know one of my favorite movies is and it's just so stupid well, like adam sandler movies like little nicky and joe dirt you ever see joe dirt oh joe dirt is funny as hell oh I like joe yeah dirt. yeah yeah like i judge I, I try to judge things by what they're going for so if you're just trying to be stupid and uh, silly okay. i'm gonna judge you by that so like if you're like an adam sandler or like one of those joe dirt type movies or like deuce bigelow like, yeah. like, I like shit. I like shit like that because I know they're not trying to be anything deeper than what they what they are. Okay. But like when I feel like you're trying to do something deeper, then I'm going to judge you on that standard, and that's like you know how I usually uh, am with things. So like I'm good with the lowbrow stuff too. If you know you hit your marks, if you're aiming for a mark and you hit it, same with Fast and the Furious. Like I like I like the Fast and the Furious movies. Except for the last one, because the last one, I thought even by their standards, they were kind of just phoning it in. Uh, well, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta 
call an end to it. You know what I'm saying? I, I think yeah. I think I think it's it's just such a thing as too much and, and going on too long. I know they want to keep the series alive. Um, yeah, the last one I seen was it, the uh, seven, I think. Uh, man, let me tell you something. If you thought seven was getting tired, then you're definitely not gonna like eight because eight was just like you could just see them like I'm sure there's some outtakes where they're probably looking at their uh, phones to see if the check cleared yet. Like, you know, like, they look that bored, you know? Wow. You can tell they're just, yeah, yeah, they're just checking their banking apps to make sure, like, you know, the check clear. Mm-hmm. They, they seem very just phoning it in, man. And well, you know, okay, guy, I, Paul, yeah, go on. Now I was going to ask you, uh, on this last one, was was um, uh, Tyrese, was, Ty, you know, Tyrese uh, Gibson, the singer? Yeah, uh, yeah. Was this, char- was this character still... Did he go further with the uh, the he behavior? Was margi- like- <laughs> he was marginally better. I mean, he was... Do you know what he's trying to do to me? But he's just not doing it right. I feel like he wants to be what Eddie Murphy was in the um, Beverly Hills Cop movie. Not Beverly Hills Cop. Like, Eddie Murphy would be kind of like making a spectacle of himself and kind of clowning the white people at the same time. But it was funny because you could tell yeah. that um, even though he was kind of acting a little stereotypical, like the white people were kind of the butt of the jokes. And I feel like Tyrese is trying to do that. But A, it's not funny. And yeah. B, he's more the butt of the joke than, you know what I mean? Like, he just looks like a dumbass in them. I don't, I don't know. It's not... Oh. It's not working for me, man. That's how I feel. Like, like, like. It, yeah. In part seven, uh, I, I know the scene you're probably thinking of in in the auction. Remember in the auction or the party where he's supposed to be a distraction? Yeah. And he he just won't shut up. And I'm, yeah. Oh my! It's his whole character just like like you know I'm from where he came in 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 uh, the the second one to to where he's at now. It's just like it seems like. Just this whole de-evolution of his character into this, I don't know, you know, uh, minstrel character almost. Yes, yes. Thank you. I was looking for that word. It's like the modern, it's a postmodern um, minstrel. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, what I thought being that uh, that guy, Gary Gray, from Straight Outta Compton was doing it, and he's a brother, and yeah. he's, from, he's from South, if he's not from South Central, he's at least from L.A., like, and... He has a long history with South Central people because he used to have long connections to the NWA people. So I'm like, okay, if he's directing this thing, he's going to look out for Tyrese because Tyrese is from South Central. And the role is marginally better. Like like having F. Gary Gray there did not help Tyrese out at all. He got to shoot like he got like one badass scene where he shoots like four people. And that's like 20 seconds. So out of like a two-hour movie, it's like he gets one badass twenty seconds. Sure, man, the 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 tension for the buffoonery started with two. It, the, he yes. Remember how we were talking about John Singleton and like when we when we did the episode. Wait, wait, or, uh, wait, 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 wait. Let me just set the context. Uh, D. Mills just joined us. Um, surprise appearance. He just popped in. He just popped in, and that's all good. Man. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want listeners to be confused. Like, wait a minute, why did Mike's voice change, or why does T sound like that? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's D Mills who just joined us, and you're D Mills seventy nine yes, on sir. Twitter, right? 
Uh, okay, yeah, so, so yeah, continue. Uh, no, I was going to say, um, it started when um, John Singleton took over Too Fast, Too Furious, which was the second movie in the, in the trilogy. I mean, in the, uh, in the series. Yeah. And he kind of set the tone for what the character was going to be all about uh, from that point. And it seems like every character that he does, he has his fingers on. That's kind of the same Jody baby boy kind of character, you know, that kind of a feckless, um, stumbling, bumbling idiot kind of buffoon that kind of lucks his way into doing something cool. You know, that fool's luck. It seems like that's yeah. how it, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But with Baby Boy, it seemed at least a little bit self-aware because he was kind of supposed to be a fuck-up. Whereas, yeah. I feel like in Fast and the Furious, yeah. it's like he thinks he's being dope, which is, like, kind of sad. Like, you know, like, I think he, I think he thinks that's a good look. Like, like yeah. in part two... You know what his character was? His character was a buck, but an incompetent buck. Not even, like, a good buck. You know, the buck is, like, oversexed and really badass, where he was trying to be a buck and failing. Like, yeah. he was hitting on everything with a pulse, and just <laughs> chicks just kept dissing him the whole time. Yeah. Like, they'd be on a mission yeah. all the time. He's like, hey, bro, you look good. Hey, girl, why don't you come here? Oh, it's like that? Okay, fine. You know, it's like, wait, wait. He can never get the hot girl. But you know, it seemed like it's kind of counterbalance. It, it, I don't know if they were trying to go for a buddy movie with the with the second one with him and Paul Walker. I guess it kind of gave that that um, that vibe, like they were going for a buddy, a old time, an old school buddy flick. Yeah. But um, I will say this: in, in part two, at least, and the character just got progressively worse as they introduced him further into the series. But at least in part two, well, I don't know if this is even a good thing, but he kind of served as the the conscience of the of the movie especially counterbalancing paul walker who was kind of falling for the evil longoria character not evil longoria uh mendez yeah i, I agree character. he had he had um a counterbalance you know because first of all he was he was whooping ass you know what i mean he was clearly the second yeah, yeah. he was the, clearly the second to paul walker you know he was doing the supporting right. but he was carrying a lot of the weight which is what, what's a good thing about having um uh, only two people but uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a team of seven, where it's really easy yeah. to just throw the black guy to the side, especially when you have another black guy, yeah. you're allowed to make the competent one, which is what ludicrous. I was just damn, you. I was just gonna say that. that I was just gonna say yeah. that they yeah. let Luda yeah. come in, and uh, he's the competent guy. Yeah, because and they kind of serve as the relief. It's very hard to have two. You know competent, the uh, yeah. It's very hard to have two competent black guys, yeah. unless it's a black movie. Like yeah. you know, if it's like a one of those quote unquote diverse yeah. movies. Where you know mm-hmm. you have to hit every token. If you're gonna get a second black guy, mm-hmm. he's not gonna be competent. He has to be kind of a buffoon. Right. And that's exactly what he. It almost made it unwatchable for me. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm, I just jumped in, and now I'm just. No, I was just, I was just agreeing. I was just agreeing. I, you know, that's a perfectly example, and that's why I kind of yeah lost my taste. I haven't even for watched the, the last one, honestly. I, I just, the Tyrese, the, the buffoonery from the Tyrese character, man, I'm not going to even lie, man. It's just, yeah, it, it almost, it made seven unfreaking bearable for me. It like seven, seven was, yeah, it made seven unbearable, but you know what made me go for eight? Because when F. Gary Gray was directing it, and I had really liked mm-hmm. Straight Outta Compton, and yeah. I thought, you know, wow, that's a movie that, you know, really, I thought, kind of portrayed 
a lot of black masculinity, especially the kind that's t- typically called toxic, you know, right. he, he treated it pretty fair and made it look really badass. You know what I mean? If mm. the wrong kind of person would have made it, you know, very much into like an after school special or something bad. And I thought like, you know, yeah. it was, it was kind of good. But so when I saw he was doing it and then on his Instagram account, he was putting clips of Tyrese on snowmobiles doing all this bad, badass stuff. And I was thinking, and this is what I was talking to Mike about before he showed up. I was thinking, man, the Compton, I mean, the LA brother is going to look out for the other LA brother and really like hook him up with some scenes, especially because there's a void now that um, Paul Walker's gone. And man, that yeah. one scene that was on Instagram yeah. was the only <laughs> good scene he had. <laughs> all the rest was, well, it was, it was, he didn't actually, let him shine at all. It was even huh? more buffoonish, actually, outside of that oh, one scene. Yeah. And they put in this token. Yeah, no way. In, That's hard to believe it's They possible. put in this token white guy to kind of fill in the void by Paul Walker that they didn't need. They could have just had one of the other people just step up, step up and fill in the void. And this guy, was so bland and so unnecessary. And he so clearly meant to kind of skip the line mm. and be more prominent than he needs to be. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm done with that series, too. I mean, it's, <laughs> they should have ended, ended it with number seven. They died. They yeah. should have died with Paul. Yeah. And, and they, didn't even, they didn't even mention Rip. that the character died. They, they, they didn't even like, really mention him. Which is kind of extra bad. Like he never existed. Huh? Yeah, except for at the very end, they give a very weak shout out to him. That's very um, weak. I will but, say yeah. that out of these ensemble cast movies, Fast the Fast series does do a pretty decent job of letting everybody shine. You know, Tyrese's buffoonery aside, yeah, um, you know, to have that many guys on screen and one of that many people on screen. Uh, and each person having to get camera time and kind of do something cool. They, I think they do as about a good a job with that as you can for yeah. that kind of. And one and a half, and one and a half black guys shine. You know, because <laughs> these was half. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I said, like it's you never see two black dudes, you know, shine in the movie and ensemble movie like that right. usually but one and a half is a step in the right direction we're almost at two if you, if you round up well, rock rock you know the rock right he's half if you have two halves so, yeah, that's, that's two, two halves too yeah. yeah so there we go <laughs> yeah oh, so so you're right there are two black guys shining in that movie you got one full black guy and then two half yeah you know what <laughs> the math works out thank you that's right <laughs> <laughs> I use my conversion kit yeah. on my calculator, and, it, and the math works. Yeah, you're right. So you know what? Oh my god! There are two black guys shining in, in that movie. It's very good. And if you do the one drop rule, then they got three black guys shining. That's right. And we are in America, so the one drop rule is always available. <laughs> But but Tyrese is so black. Tyrese is so black that he almost undoes it because he's he's like you know an undeniably like. See now I talk myself back out of it because I was giving him props, but you know he's the least racially ambiguous guy there, and he's also doing the most minstrel stuff. So it's still kind of problem. It's, yeah. it's still kind of problematic. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if, I wonder how much of it has to do with the writing or is it just him just thinking that that's what's going to be? Is that him thinking that that's what's the scene calls for, what this movie calls for? Is this his energy he's bringing to it? I think it or is this just what's written into it? Might be it? because whether this is Instagram, whether it's, uh, he had this <laughs> show, it was kind of terrible, but I watched it. I watched <clears> it. <throat> it was, um, I don't know if y'all, I don't know if y'all ever saw it. my, my wife, uh, tuned into it and I ended up watching it. It was him and Reverend Run has some kind of advice show on the Oprah network. Who? Have you ever, have you ever? Tyrese? Yeah. Yeah. I think only like three episodes. Oh, wow. I don't know if it was only meant to have three episodes or if it just tanked that badly, but it was like, they're trying to cash in on that. Um, Steve Harvey thinks like a man market. So it was, it was oh, yeah. one of those things where, and I don't know why the black. Oh, I remember what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. And, and I don't know why the black community is big on this, but the black community is big on religious black men schooling black women on how to find love. Like to the mainstream, that's mm-hmm. something that just started with Steve Harvey or something. But in the black community, that's 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 the thing, and I feel like that's not really the same as big in the white community. I think the white community had that. Um, he's that into you guy, that stand up comic. I think that's the closest uh, we came to that. But for the most part, you know, it's not as big a thing. But it was one of those things where um, Tyrese and Reverend Run were both hosting the show. And the audience was like 75% women. And they were telling women about what you got to do to get and keep a man. And they were bringing up a lot and of these are coming from. Yeah. I know it's funny that you bring that because these a lot of these shows are. are uh, these think like a man type things with Steve. These are coming from guys that have not themselves had successful relationships, right? I mean, they, yeah, they very exactly. Exactly. That's the funny part about, yeah. it. like, yeah. you know, if I'm gonna take that kind of advice, I'm gonna listen to somebody that's been married for 35 years, you know, and and as I guess whatever you define as a successful marriage. Even their guests, because they had Martin Wayans on, and he had a failed marriage too, and and he was there and. I don't know why. I don't know why he. What makes him an expert? Like, I just. I just didn't get it at all. Even without the field marriage, I, I didn't get it. Mm. Like I said, uh, to a yeah, certain, you know, to a certain degree, um, having a failure or or having uh, failures in your marriage can can lend some valuable insight when you're talking about specific issues. But you know, having the person be the host of a show about uh, how to find and keep a mate. I mean, I just find that uh, and that. That that um that preachy tone that 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 coming from a place that like you're on a high horse you know that's the that's the part that turns me off it it's like okay yeah you know it's a lack of humility like you know I get yeah, yeah you've been through yeah. some stuff you yeah come at me come at me from that like hey this is where I've been this is where I messed up yeah you yeah, know it, yeah. you know just acknowledge that I feel like we're politicians too like when you see whether it's the um, Danny Fatante thing with the police or there's Kamala Harris with the DA. Like whatever Kamala Harris, I, I think she came out and said, look, I was doing a job and, you know, I and from working in that job, I realized, you know, a lot of how the system works and I do I regret some of the things I did? Yes, you know, I was she at least acknowledged it, like you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. you know, even with Hillary, if she if she said, hey, you know, I, I effed up, 
with uh, a lot of the things I did in the campaign. I insulated myself too much. Mm. I surrounded myself with uh, people who kept me out of touch, and that's no excuse. I should have done whatever. Mm. I think that would be fine. People will accept a lot of things if you just own up to them. And that's yeah. more humanizing than yeah. anything. I think in Hillary's case, she's went the opposite direction and blamed everybody mm. but herself. Yeah, and that's a great segue into what was supposed to be the actual topic <laughs> of today. But this was too this is too good. So I have no regrets. But yeah, uh, Hillary is just doubling down and then doubling down on on the double down. It's, mm. uh, it's really crazy between this book tour and then this Verit thing that came out, which I'm convinced had to be not a coincidence. That there has to be some kind of cross promotion or plan there. But, uh, yeah, that Hillary is, uh, her approval rating. You won't go away, man. Yeah, yeah. And her approval rating, according to a recent poll, is like 30%. Yeah, she's, she actually has a lower approval rating than Trump right now. Good God. Is that even possible? <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I know. What's interesting about her is I've never seen somebody whose reputation is so out of proportion to the actual skill level in politics. Like, I think it's arguable whether she's the worst high-profile politician in the past 30 years. You know, you might make a case for somebody else. Somebody might say, you know, Dan Quayle, or, you know, there's a lot of high-profile politicians who are bad. George W. Bush. But bad? Anthony Weiner. Yeah, yeah. But, But simultaneously bad. And with an incredible reputation for being an, a wonderful politician, I don't think there's any high-profile politician with the biggest gap between perception and reality as well, as on and, Hillary. And the She's thing about it is, if, you, if you're not going to be competent in terms of policy machine behind her, and in terms of your own original policy positions and ideas, what you know types of legislation that you put forth, getting out ahead of certain things in, in the Senate, which she never did. Um, that's one thing, you know, but if you don't have charisma to make up for your lack of, uh, political skill, then that really is a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like it's a double whammy when you, when you're non-charismatic and, you know, you can't really point to any specific, um, original policy ideas that you've come up with. I don't think she's bad at discussing policy. I I think, you know, she could sit in a room with anybody and discuss various policies. So that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that she does not seem like the kind of person that would put something out there on the line with her name on it, a bill or something like that. So if it she stands on it, if it fails or if it succeeds, it was something that she put out there that is on her record. You can stand on. Um. Yes. She's very scared to commit which one is, way or the other because she's always taking the temperature. She's yeah. always like, which is you, know, you, know, you know when you put your finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing? And it's a turn off. Yeah, it is. It's so transparent. It's a turn off to most of the people because you, you see the phoniness in that. It's like, okay, you're, you're waiting to see which way the wind blows and then you jump. And, that, and people yeah. see that and people are not. And I feel like Obama is not much different. I feel like Obama is not much different, but he's be- he's better at hiding it. She's very transparent. Well, that's what, what, like D just said, with the charisma. He had a charm to him. He had a something about him that, you know, you, you could you could forgive it because of, because of that charisma. 
that smoothness. He was smooth. Yeah. Which is it's, it's, it makes it really bizarre for Hillary to me is because people already put she wasn't even really a politician at mm-hmm. the time. She was the wife of one. But people really put that, um, you know, the crime bill around her neck as a noose anyway. So if you figure if you're going to have something like that around your neck, you might as well not be afraid to come out, you know, ahead of some type of policy position or anything like that. I mean, you know, if you it's it, something's already sticking to you, you might as well put your foot out there and go with something. Right. But she she's still two things with a crime bill. Some people said it was unfair to put that on there, but there were two reasons why I think it kind of was OK. And one is she had done a lot of press for the crime bill and this is kind of her own fault Mm -hmm. because she was trying to be a new type of first lady like showing like oh you know i'm the the woman behind the man and and if you remember that used to be the big image of her like people used to act like she was the cheney to clinton's bush like she was like the brains of it you know whether that's true or not but that's part of the perception and i think she did a lot to um encourage that so she used to give a lot of hearings and public appearances like cheerleading for the crime bill like you know and so that kind mm-hmm. of backfired on her because clips of that came out of her coming out and that's where that super predator quote came from from one of the times that she was out promoting it but i think the second problem too is she was trying to ride her husband's coattails for the positive stuff that happened during his election. I mean, during during his presidency, mm-hmm. like, oh, during his presidency, these good things happen. And if you elect me, that's going to happen again. I recall her kind of hinting at that several times, you know, like mm-hmm. the economy and certain things. Yeah. So now you can't now disavow the bad stuff once you've put the good stuff into play. And I think she kind of shot herself in the foot with uh, that. No, I mean, I, I'd agree with that, you know, 100%. Um, it's no different than, um, actually, it's even more high profile than, you know, I don't know if you guys remember when Tipper Gore used to go out there um, as an advocate for, basically, for censorship, yeah. for rap, yeah. when rap yeah. was, was getting big, Good and uh, she was kind of the face of that. Now, she didn't get maligned for it the way that Hillary is, because, obviously, she didn't run for the highest office in the land, but, you know, it... it if she did, I think it's fair that that would be something that would be put on her as much as it would be her husband or anybody else who was in office during that time frame. So it's fair game yeah. to me. If you run, on, if you run um, parallel to a, a politician's platform and you're a public figure, by all means, I think that uh, your, your neck can get put on the chopping block just like everybody else's. You're fair game. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like Michelle Obama is a little different because Michelle Obama, she was kind of more to me in the Jackie O mold where she kind of had her own little projects. Like, you know, so she was in charge of the exercise thing, the fitness thing, you know, different. She had her own little lanes Mm -hmm. that she was in. But Hillary seemed to be really wanting to. um, Well, I think that was by design, too, because they wouldn't wouldn't accept an active, you know, you know, they wouldn't accept like the Hillary type out of a uh, Michelle. You know, she would have got hit with that that whole uh, overpowering black woman type of you know mm-hmm. stereotype that they hit them with. You know, they try to outshine yeah. their man Very and whatnot. True. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. They she would have got crucified. So she did what she had to do, and you know, 
played a role. I think she I think she could have got involved and been probably uh you know more impactful. But it just it just wouldn't have that, that's that's very true. That's very true because there's some there's this um stereotype. I forget what it's called, but it comes from Amos and Andy. It's it's one that um a lot of people have about black women, but I forget what it's Bossy. called. I don't know what of you guys knows it, but yeah, yeah, that castrating type mm-hmm. of black woman that like a like an Amarosa, like an Amarosa type. Uh, I, and there is a specific term for it. I just it's it's escaping me right now, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, 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 oh. I think it's called the Sapphire. Yeah, because there was a character called Sapphire. And that was and that was um, Kingfish's wife. And she was very masculine. I think she was bigger than him. Mm-hmm. Like you never saw her, but you um, her presence was always felt, and he was always talking about her. And she was kind of like always, uh, she was nagging and emasculating him all the yeah. time. And, and she was an antagonistic, confront- confrontational. And I feel like um, they were kind of trying to cast Michelle Obama in that stereotype very early on. She made some kind of quotes, too, that didn't help. That, but, I, that's what I was thinking of, too. Yeah. I was thinking of that. Yeah, yeah that too. That so that, it may be that more than anything. And it also could be that maybe um, Michelle, Mrs. Obama, just at that time, she decided that at the end of the day, the type of change that she wanted to see was not going to be um, achievable through running for office you know what i mean through through the presidency or through different types of office. maybe she's much more interested in community work you know what i mean so she decided yeah. she didn't want to play the game of politics and you know i can understand and, and, that. And to me, yeah and to me, there's nothing wrong with that to me if yeah. one person is the politician then you know so be it i mean same if, same if hillary won i wouldn't want bill clinton to be seeming like he's co he's co um co-legislating with her like you know mm-hmm. i feel like, yeah, so, yeah yeah so yeah i mean I, I i get that and i think also hillary had designs on i just get the impression that she had designs on being the president many moons ago that was like a big thing for her she i agree wanted that. yeah so you know there's that yeah. aspect of it too just two different people you know and they approach the things differently so what what exactly um <clears throat> because I've been so ridiculously busy all this week, I didn't even get a chance to get into uh, the Hillary hysteria that's been going on uh, the last couple of days. What 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 was the activity? I'm sorry, I was stuffing my face while you guys were talking. <laughs> I, I, I stopped talking faster than I expected. I was being oh, very impressed. <laughs> well, well, T has has had. Put posted some things on this timeline where you know we had three well three threads came across this timeline. Um, one of them was from Joy Reid. Oh, it's so and funny! These 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 people and their devotion to Hillary is uh cult like. It's really uh fascinating to watch from the outside as, as you know watching how they interact with people who disagree. With Hillary's policies and you know, and her as a person, oh, and the labels that they throw on oh them because of their disagreement, it's just I'm, hilarious. I'm, I'm, oh, you're a sexist. Oh. You're a you're a Bernie bro. 
you're a this, you're a that. I'm oh, like, looking wow, at you some of the really... tweets now. <laughs> oh my god, and and, and uh, the Joy Reid one. Yeah, that was real as, sassy. And yeah, at the time of this one, it's four thousand retweets and fourteen thousand five hundred likes. So you know, people are getting it in. On um, people are really getting it in. Like people are really. And there's another one. There was there were three. One was by Joy Reid. One was by this guy Charles Clymer. I forget who. I see it, man. <laughs> yeah, and then the third one was by this girl, um, Gotham Blue. And somehow hers did even bigger numbers. Is Gotham Girl Blue? She is, and this is her profile to give you, well, to give you an idea for her. She did a, people she did who a 20, haven't looked yet. But. God damn, she did a, a 30 part uh, tweet here. So basically, she did an article. Yeah, 19,000 likes. Yeah, 19,000 likes, 9,000 retweets. So it did even more numbers than Joy Reads. And her profile is Powerpuff Girls, um, but done as a blurt, which mm-hmm. is a black nerd. And one, th- one thing I've noticed any. Black woman with a Powerpuff Girls avatar, like nine times out of ten, tends to be very unhinged on Twitter. Mm. I don't know why it is. You know the avatars I'm talking about? They're just avatars where you can make yourself into a Powerpuff. Yeah, you, you can make yourself into a Powerpuff mm. Girl. Um, yeah, yeah. She has one of those avatars. It's Gotham Girl Blue, and it's black, black millennial, feminist, fighter, and... Eleanor Democrat. Eleanor Democrat. I guess Eleanor Roosevelt, Roosevelt? I guess. That's an interesting... Uh, I guess. I, I, I don't know what Eleanor Democrat is. Um, if somebody knows, please please let me know. But, yeah, I mean, once you identify with either party that strongly, you know, it's already a bad sign. But, yeah, Joy Reid, she's really passionate for uh, Hillary Clinton. Like, I mean, I know journalists are supposed to have... I know journalists have biases, and it's not... Um, it's not uncommon for them to skew liberal or whatever but i mean she's in total fangirl mode like it's very unprofessional like if you, even if you're going to be biased at least sound like um a professional but this this is really sassy it's very performative i think i feel like she's doing a lot of performative sass oh yeah oh yeah for the white oh yeah there was a lot of the audience. i'm looking at and uh, this is the replies the replies are really adding to the sass because there's a lot of white people doing digital blackface, you know, which is like a lot of sassy black gifs with things like testify and a black choir going crazy and, um, um, loving hip hop and basketball wives and real housewife of Atlanta gifs. You know what I'm talking about? Like the other two threads, like the Charles Clymer thread didn't have all the digital blackface in the replies, you know, but for Joy Reads, everybody was pulling out their best sassy black gif in in response. And it's just very comical. And she's kind of encouraging yeah. it to me with all the sass in her original thread. Yeah, I'm looking at her. Oh, man, this is really this is really a bad to me anyway. This is really a bad look for for Joy Reed. Um Oh man, this is wild. I actually abstained from voting the presidential line in the New York primary to keep my Where the hell did it go? I was just reading it and then it just disappeared off. Oh, 
I actually abstained from voting the presidential line of the New York primary to keep my objectivity. Voted for Clinton in a general. That's a distinction without a difference. What the fuck difference does it make if you abstained from the primary but then voted for in the general? I mean, if you keep your ob- if the if the objective is keeping your your objectivity, with <laughs> that's what difference does it make whether you abstained in one and, and voted in the other? And then uh, she really goes in on, I guess, the Sanders supporters. And um, yeah, she's getting 25,000 likes, 6,000 retweets. This is, wow. They snarked at your... Go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to read, read a bunch too. of tweets. Go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. Okay. Because I was able to stop my pizza. She's <laughs> in a food Never. break. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's interesting about this, too. These people just keep making it about Bernie Sanders and talking about Bernie Sanders. And it's like, yeah. one thing that I try to make clear, because, you know, and, and D... You brought this up in a previous uh, episode, which which I like. You know, it's not about caping for caping for Bernie Sanders. You know what I mean? Like at the, at the end of the day, I feel like black people have to look out for their own interests. You should never get too overly invested in in any of these uh, mainstream um, mm-hmm. white candidates. You know, you try to pick the best you can, whatever. But what I find too interesting is these uh, black pundits are just caping so hard for Hillary, but constantly bringing up uh, Bernie Sanders. And truth of the matter is, except when these people are bringing up Bernie and forcing his old supporters to kind of respond to the charge, the uh, leftists, to me, aren't actually that obsessed with Bernie the way they are with Hillary. Like, they only kind of bring him up mostly in response to people constantly right. s- slamming them, but they're more yeah. into the idea of socialism. Like, for them, yeah. whoever the next guy is who brings the socialism, mm-hmm. they're, they're down for them. And they actually, a lot of them actually will be like, Bernie wasn't as left as we would like, or radical as we would like, mm-hmm. but he's a step in the right direction. So we're for him, but not like sitting yeah. around just it was about ideology. It wasn't a. It wasn't a right. cult of personality. It wasn't a. They weren't so invested in Bernie. It, it was their ideology and which candidate best moved that forward. Which yeah, Hillary. It's just I don't know. It's like some some fandom. It's I don't even think they care yeah. about. I don't even remember what Hillary's point policies are. I don't, to be honest with you. So she, I sure mean, they, hers I'm go sure you know, either do. way. And, and you can kind of see. They don't, I don't think they care. Yeah, you can kind of see it because. The person that they're, they're supporting next, the person they're supporting next, which is uh, Kamala Harris, because she's kind of in that Hillary Clinton mm. camp. Um, they have a lot of ties. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of these people were attacking single payer, and some people pulled up the about face tweets. A lot of people were supporting, um, were against single payer in that centrist Democrat camp because they're associating with, yeah. with Bernie Sanders, and then when uh. Kamala Harris recently tweeted, we need single payer. The same people were like, yep, we, we need single payer. It's like, wait a minute. You were just slamming yep. it because you thought it had to do with uh, Bernie Sanders. And then now, but this was interesting. Um, later on, she tweeted another thing about single payer, which she said, I support Senator Sanders 
in the idea that we need single payer. And when she phrased it that way, then they turned on her because now she was, she was including Mm -hmm. him, the personality. So they didn't care. She flip flops on positions and even says the same position as Bernie Sanders. But once she actually, uh, Said his name. That's she all they care about. Like, it's just him. It just He's the devil. Man. Bernie is the devil. Oh they blame Bernie for everything that's wrong with this country today. They blame Bernie more than they blame Donald uh, Donald Trump. Oh, for sure. Isn't that kind of that's kind of un uh, unusual for the Democrats? They usually kind of rally under the umbrella, you know, when they have to. Put, from what I recall. Um, I don't recall them being that pissed at, say, um, Ralph oh, Nader he's not a Democrat. back in the 2000s. Oh, 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 oh but he's, he's on, the, he's on yeah, the left. He, he's on the left. No, a lot of them were uh, pissed at him. They called him a spoiler. But it wasn't to this degree. Not to this degree. degree. Unless yeah. I'm just forgetting because of time. But it wasn't to this degree. There was a lot of spoiler talk and stuff. But this, but you know what the difference is, I think, is that Ralph Nader kind of didn't leave behind a movement. You know, they, they just feel like, oh, he was just a small yeah. supporter. He was, I mean, a difference of a few percentage points where with Bernie, because she got trounced so bad under a lot of abstainers, they just assume that those abstainers must be all Bernie. Because like, the movement that Bernie started, because like, I don't think so much that Bernie started the movement. I feel like Bernie was more a symptom. Like, people all over the world are kind of getting more radical. And you see that with mm-hmm. Corbyn in mm-hmm. the UK and how well he did. And it's not like um, Bernie was out there stumping for Corbyn or anything. It's like, I, I think it's more that people want the ideology after Occupy Wall Street. I think Occupy Wall Street, at the time, I was one of those people that kind of underestimated it. But now that I see where the world is going, I think it had more of an effect than I realized. But yeah, a lot of people seem to be moving oh. to that more radical type of uh, mindset. So. I think because these people think in terms of uh, personalities, not ideology, rather than attacking um, that growing sentiment, they're just targeting on a person because it's way easier to attack a person. And they've made Bernie into everything emblematic of this surging force that is possibly going to... Because once Nader was gone, that was it. You know, they didn't have to worry about him anymore, but... What the movement that Bernie was kind of signifying, that I think he was a symptom of, not so much a cause of, it's still growing. And I think even without Bernie, it's still going to keep uh, growing. Uh, yeah. You know what? I think you, you know what, T? I think you might be right. And I'm, I'm thinking about because although Ralph Nader kind of was a spoiler, he was a spoiler in an extremely tight election that when it ended up going to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Right. I mean, it took. Supreme Court rulings in order to decide that presidential election for the most yeah. part, right? So you could get mad at the Nader people, but at the end of the day, enough traditional Democrats came out and did what they needed to do, and they just lost the tight election. With the Bernie situation, this is interesting because after the way that he was treated during the primary, and, and I'm not saying this as a pejorative, but a lot of people said, fuck this, I'm not voting for Hillary and, and decided that they were going to kind of just stand, stand pat, you know, and let whatever happens, happens. And so when all of those dominoes fell and we looked at the results of the election and saw that she lost in states that she should have won in comfortably, 
that's them. This the reaction is them being terrified of losing key elements of their constituency and not really knowing how to react. So they're lashing out in anger right now. They're sheep dogging to a degree. You know, they're trying to get those wayward sheep back in line. So this attack on Bernie Sanders, which is really just a way to attack his supporters, is a way of them trying to act as sheep dogs to get all these people who strayed to the sidelines to come back into the fold. Yeah. You know, so that they can win elections. Yes, again. yes, exactly. That's just my Exactly. Take. I agree with you. It, it's about their whole base is threatened. It's not just an election that's threatened because right. Nader was right. a supporter for a single election, whereas um, in their minds, Bernie, because they can't think of ideology, they can only think of things as personalities. So in their mind, um, Bernie mm-hmm. is a spoiler for their whole future reign of power, their whole future base. Yeah. And, it's, and it's misguided because it's not yeah. really Bernie. It's radicalism. It's socialism. That's the real problem. And it's harder to kill an idea. It's easier to kill a person. Much harder to kill an idea. I think that's that's the case. So, excuse me. I'm wondering how this plays out because it's looking like um, Kamala Harris is going to be the person uh, for t- barring something crazy. Oh, yeah, I think so. Know. I mean, it's still early, but y'all, th- y'all really believe that? Yeah, I think so. Early, but they're, I mean, they're, laying, they're laying the seeds for her. I mean, this can go wrong because I mean, Jeb Bush was kind of being seated. Yeah, he, he was, was the being guy. seated right. for a while, right. and something can always happen. It could be a dark horse. Oh, same same yeah. with Hillary and Obama. Hillary was clearly being set up for like four years to take it in 2008, yeah. and Obama yeah. ended up blindsiding her. So I think she's in the position where Hillary was uh, in the early pre-election period, you know, leading up to 2008. They're grooming her. But, you know, Mike is right. It doesn't necessarily have to turn out that way no a lot can happen between now and then they got a lot of sheep dogging to do to get people back to yeah, the fold yeah, for one. yeah for two like you guys just discussed you know some dark horse candidate now i can't see who it could possibly be but you know there's always the possibility some dark horse candidate comes out and spoils things for her but i think barring something crazy it, it looks like She's gonna you be know, the one, huh? She's gonna be the person. And what what happened to um? What's that? Oh, 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 man, I'm having Elizabeth uh, Warren. Um, she's 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 still. I'm sure she's biding her time. Yeah. You know, you never know. She might end up being running herself. But if she runs herself, she'll end up being the new Bernie because she's typically considered pretty far to the left. So I'm I'm sure she'll be be the new demonized right. person, or they might court her. To be maybe a vice president, a vice presidential candidate, and then they mm. might think, "Hey, we have her on a ticket. Maybe we can disarm a lot of that future leftist uh, opposition." So you, so you never know. I mean, I don't know if she's game for that. I have no idea what these people are like. I mean, she surprised me with how much she was willing to play ball with Hillary during the campaign. So you never know. She might be swayable. Mm. But um, going back to this Joanne Reed thread, it's interesting the amount of projection here because she has the nerve yeah. to get mad at the Sanders supporters for being crybabies. But this is all spurred by a book by Hillary Clinton 
that's basically whining about why she lost to a degree. So, so it's kind of funny because this is what she says. She goes, mm-hmm. she goes, I am 100% over, in all caps, the self-pity, conspiracy theorizing, moaning, and foot-stomping demands of Sanders' bitter enders. Like, done. Also in all caps. It's like, wait a minute. Self-pity? Okay, okay <laughs> Hillary, check. Conspiracy <laughs> theorizing. Like, hello, Russia? You know, like, foot-stomping demands. Right. Like, okay, impeachment, special prosecutors to find out about... Uh, Russian involvement and to find out about hacking, like the lack of self awareness is just amazing in this thread. Like you know, she just goes yeah, on and on telling him to stop whining, uh, get over it, blah blah blah. She goes, when you lose a <laughs> primary, it hurts. I bet when you lose a general to Donald freaking Trump after the media savages over stupid emails, it's blah blah. And then she goes on to start talking about Russia. Like, everything that she just finished saying that right. Sanders people stopped doing, later in the thread, she starts talking about, um, this is what she says. She goes, after the media savages you over stupid emails, after your opponent half-heartedly backs you, but only after you hand over day one of your convention and beg, and Russia runs a full op on you, I bet that hurts just a wee bit more. Especially when you lose by 77,500 votes in three states and a lady who dined with Putin gets twice that. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Everything they just complained about <laughs> Bernie Sanders people doing, which is self-pity, conspiracy theorizing, and moaning about losing, you did six tweets later. And let's take it back a couple of tweets before that, where basically she's dismissive of the concerns that Sanders supporters had about the way that he was treated in the primary. She reduces this to they snarked at your candidate in caddy emails. They scheduled debates at off times, though, if you have a revolution, can they hide it? So she basically dismisses the concerns that they had about Bernie Sanders, the way that he was treated in the Democratic primary, some of the revelations that came out from that to caddy emails and weird debates weird debate schedulings. And so she expects for people to to give her any kind of sympathy or empathy when she talks down on their concerns like that. Really? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, really? I, I know. <sighs> on, uh, on Chapo, when I did my first appearance on there, I talked about this book called When Prophecy Fails. And I brought up the book. Oh, yeah. yeah, I brought up the book as um, a prediction for the Hillary people. This is right after the election in November of 2016. And when Prophecy Fails is about this cult, and it's a doomsday cult, and when the doomsday cult ended up not happening, like, there was going to be um, a flood that was going to happen on December 21st, 1954. And after this flood happened the world was like, you know, going to end. And a lot of people got really invested in this cult. They gave up their families, their livelihoods. They did all this stuff to get ready for it. And what was interesting is um, this guy, Leon Festinger, who's a psychiatrist who came up with the term cognitive dissonance. This was the the study that helped him establish that um, concept, cognitive dissonance. the researchers just sat with him because they said, let's see what's going to happen when um, this prophecy doesn't come true. 
And one of their ideas was that when it doesn't come true, uh, they're going to commit to cons- at considerable considerable expense to maintain the delusion. And the other option is they're going to enlist extra social support for their belief. As Fessinger wrote, this mm-hmm. is from the Wikipedia of the book, as Fessinger wrote, if more and more people can be persuaded that the system of belief is correct, then clearly it must, after all, be correct. So what he was saying is, after it fails, they're going to try harder to convert people after the fact, even though they already um, lost. And what was interesting, right, before um, the prophecy came and went, they were kind of... um, exclusionary and elitist you know because they were like oh we're the chosen people we have this in the bag so before december 20th it's from the wikipedia the group shuns publicity interviews are only given grudgingly access to keech's house is only provided to those who can convince the group that they are true believers the group evolves a belief system to explain the details of the cataclysm the reason for its occurrences and the manner in which the group would be saved from the disaster the 20th happens, the group expects a visitor to call upon them at midnight and escort them to a waiting spacecraft. As midnight approaches, zippers, bra straps, and all metallic items are discarded because that's part of the prophecy. They can't have metal. December 21st comes, no visitor. But they notice one clock still says 1155, even though it's after midnight. So they all agree, oh, it must not really be midnight even though all the other clocks are after midnight. Okay, so 15 minutes later, even the wrong clock now starts um, saying midnight. So now all the clocks are midnight or later. So they tell themselves, okay, it's still seven hours away before dawn. It's going to be fine. Uh, 4 a.m. comes. um, People start crying. Then... um, by the afternoon of uh, December 21st, when it's, you know, dawn has come and gone, this is what is interesting. Mm-hmm. Newspapers are called. Interviews are sought. In the reversal of its previous distaste for publicity, the group begins an urgent campaign to spread its message to as broad an audience as possible. So they started going crazy just trying to give every interview they could, every piece of publicity mm-hmm. they, that they could. And I think Verit and these threads and Hillary's book tour, I think, is this stage of the cult. You know, like, um, oh, okay. Yeah, Verit. I mean, like, why, why release this now, this, this Verit site? For people who don't know, Verit's this site created by this Hillary man called Peter Dow. He's a Hillary super fan. And Hillary <laughs> man is a term that he came up for himself and for other male Hillary super fans. And, yeah, he's very big into Hillary. And here's a Salon article, a Salon interview that just came out. And it's titled, An Interview with with Peter Dow, Barrett Founder and Hillary Superfan. And if you read the interview, he's pretty unapologetic and shameless about being a Hillary uh, Superfan. And, yeah, yeah, this site, Barrett, is just basically just trying to spread the gospel of Hillary, which is ironic because Hillary apparently came out today on a news program and said she's not running in 2020. 
she's declared. I mean, she might still change her mind, say that she felt called to service, but she's not even saying that she's going to run. She's saying the opposite. And the cult is still trying to get as many followers as possible. Like, they can't make peace with the fact that the prophecy didn't come uh, true. And I think maybe because a lot of them are expecting jobs, access, a certain amount of payoff for this. And they gave up a lot of the dignity and um, respectability to, sh- to show for her. And it didn't pay off. I think that the level of personal investment that you're seeing, emotional investment that you're seeing from certain figures in the media, including this Peter, what's this guy's name? Peter, Peter Dow. Him, Joanne Reed, and people like that. I think you hit it right on the, the nail there. Um, I think there was a great deal of emotional investment and personal investment that they had in this candidate winning. And that's why um, you see, you know, all the hand wringing and all of the, the just ridiculous behavior that you see right now after this book came out. That's their pain being triggered again about their person not winning as opposed to their ideology not winning. And these are unprincipled people. Last week, we just talked about principles and principles having to stand tall over any individual person. And it's clear to me that um, the people who are whining the most about Hillary, man, they don't stand on any set of principles at all. They stand behind a person who it seems like they have a great deal of investment um, in seeing win. So that's a problem right there for me. Yeah, the only principle they seem to stand on is something that I don't even know if it even counts as a principle, which is being mm. moderate in the face mm. of everything. Which it's not so much a principle as a stance, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. it's so consistent. I was gonna say it's yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that even counts. Would you say my cowardice actually? Would you say my yeah. cowardice? Oh. That's cowardice. That's it. No, no, he was saying that's basically cowardice. Well, not, right? not principle. Yeah, it's like voting. Moderate is, you know, being a moderator, being neutral is basically tantamount to when a politician votes present. You know, when there's a big uh, policy debate going on on the Senate floor, on the on the congressional floor, you know, and a law needs to pass or a bill needs to pass. And then instead of voting yay or nay, the person votes present. You know, that's kind of like. Yeah, and being moderate is also kind of reactive because you basically have to see where everyone else is at first and then just pick the middle between that. So you're kind of almost always uh, changing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, like it's not something that's really independent in itself. It's something that's always in relation to other people. So that's And they're never mo- – and it's phony um, too because people are never moderate about things that are near and dear to their heart. You know what I mean? There are things that are near and dear. Like Olivia. Like Olivia exactly. Kennedy. They are moderate yeah. about that. That's the one right. thing they're not moderate. That's the one thing they're not. Yeah, right. yeah for sure. So that, that whole moderate thing. Yeah, you're right about that, FDL, though. Yeah. Yep. You're right about that, man. Because it's like, you know, it's, it's only when it doesn't affect them that they can be pragmatic and moderate and, you know, have a, a, a central, mm-hmm. a centrist type of uh, viewpoint. But like T pointed out, when you know when it when it comes to worshiping Hillary, uh, it's no, no such thing. You can't thing do it enough. <laughs> they, 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 you can't, you can't worship her enough. So, so I guess, so I guess, the, so I guess the only principle is um, celebrity worship then, because 
that's pretty much the only way they seem to engage with. Uh, they seem to only engage with politics in two ways: celebrity worship and fandom. Like, like they treat it like you know geek fandom, and it makes sense that so many of the avatars replying to these yeah. three threads. And one of the people who started a, a thread that I'm going to put in the show notes is a girl called Gotham Girl Blue. You know, Gotham Girl. I'm guessing that means um, Gotham could mean New York City because she's from New York City, but I also feel like it probably means like comic books or something because she has a comic book avatar and everything and it's like they just transfer they're already into a lot of geek stuff they're into like harry potter they're into comics they're into um all all these different types of superheroes and they just kind of transfer that same cosplay and comic-con and fandom mindset Mm -hmm. to politics and they treat politics like that so it's a combination of celebrity worship fandom but but listen to this article uh there's gonna be a couple of articles about um barrett and hillary's book tour and stuff in the show notes because i don't want to just read articles yeah. online just to catch people up on yeah. the speed but these two articles this this article is called the boy in the bubble peter dow's barrett is peak clintonism and it's from pace magazine and these two paragraphs i think really sum up how much of it is like when prophecy fails. It says, Hillary Clinton crusader Peter Dow advertised Barrett, which the former Democratic nominee endorsed Sunday night as a media platform designed for the 65.8 million Americans who voted for Clinton in November. Barrett is supposed to, quote, collect and contextualize noteworthy quotes, stats, and facts for politically engaged citizens. End quote. In practice, it slaps informational tidbits onto shareable images with seven-digit codes that allow users to verify that the images come from Verit. Verit's collection is finite, filled only with carefully curated cards that confirm Clinton voters' views. It serves no purpose except to spare those voters the need to confront beliefs oh, that conflict with their own. Political informed the world that Dow had launched a propaganda rag so shameless it would make Kim Jong-un blush. As The Verge reported, many of those facts are just image macros with quotes from Hillary Clinton, who asked people to sign up for the website in a tweet on Sunday. It was perfect that Barrett coincided with the release of Hillary's self-serving and modeling memoir, What Happened. So this is basically just a bubble that they're creating. To just relive this over and over is just yeah. like that cult in the book when prophecy fails. It's it's, it's amazing. Like yeah, well, like with sixty eight point five million, it's gonna be the biggest yeah. cult in America. You know what's funny about that sixty eight point five million, and a lot of people um made this point. Actually, you know what? I'll quote from the article again because this is only um two paragraphs. Um, Verit is an explicitly tribal product a burn book for the suburban Democrat, a fortress for Pantsuit Nation to heave blame at the poorest and the youngs. It says so on the tin, media for the 65.8 million, odd figure to include. Last year, 13.2 million primary voters went for the Prophet Sanders. Hillary's November count included the vast majority of Bernie voters who voted for the lesser evil. So that knocks down the total by about 13 million. It gets worse for Dow's numbers game the closer you look, because in August 2016, 
56% of the public had an unfavorable opinion about Clinton. Among registered voters, the negatives are about 59%. So now that the public approval rating is at 30%, that means that a lot of, almost half of the people that approved of her before don't approve of her now. <laughs> so between taking out the Sanders voters who were just voting for the lesser evil because Bernie was gone, and then taking away like that half of the people who supported her who have gotten sick of her, since the election, you know, they kind of lying to themselves about 65.8 million. Like, not everybody that voted for her is a super fan right. the way they are. Yeah, they're kind most, of funny. Yeah, most people they, are just they, normal they people like going out to vote. And, you know, they just happen to think maybe she was the best person for the job. Or some people were just voting for Donald Trump not to win. So it was just really a vote for her was a vote against Yeah, Trump. yeah. Just you know, I don't know how many super fans were in there voting for Hillary Clinton at the time, you know. They just happen to be the loudest group of people, but you know, I don't think by any means. Uh oh. Yeah, speaking of which, I, I I think that's their I think that's their um uh, game plan coming up for uh twenty twenty is a uh, hey you know both of us were not this guy and I you know it didn't work this time and I think they better come up with a better plan than just. Us, yeah, you know, people not voting for Trump because Look, pointing out it's just not going to do it. Go ahead, Mike. I can't I mean, see cut you off, man. No, go ahead, bro. No, I, I, no, I was just going to say, uh, pointing out the deficiencies of Donald Trump is not <laughs> that did not work. You know what I mean? Like he's racist, he's homophobic, uh, he's a misogynist. None of that shit works. And yeah, we know that. We know that. Yeah, and he still wants. They got to come up with a better campaign strategy because, and they're gonna have to come up with a better candidate because it's just not her. My and, favorite uh, was when she tried to uh, beat Donald at his own game. So she tried to make her own nickname for Donald, and she said "Dangerous Donald." I'm not like, okay. <laughs> Dangerous Donald almost sounds fucking cool, especially exactly. To the of, <laughs> oh my god! Like am I, yeah, especially to the type of MRA type that uh, really likes Donald Trump and stuff. It's like, yeah, Donald's dangerous, bitch. You better watch out. That'll be a T-shirt. He's gonna grab your pussy. You know, it was her nerdy ass. What her nerdy ass? Uh, yeah, um, I know. Like, on, dangerous Donald. Like, with that, he thought it was cool. He like, came up with that himself. He's probably mad. He didn't, he didn't think of it. Like, like, like come on. Dangerous, dangerous Donald D, T. Double D. Dangerous Donnie T. Can roll with that all over the place. Yeah, everything they try to do, Donald Trump just judo flips back at them. Yeah. Like, like the fake news thing. <laughs> they, came with, they came up with fake news. That's another reason why I'm surprised yeah. that Peter that, that Peter Dow is still sticking with this stupid fake news talking point yeah. because it, it, they outright <laughs> totally weaponized that against him. It's funny. Um, if you were to summarize this, what? You know what it is, though, man. Yeah, it's because they're so old over there. You know what I'm saying? Hillary, they old as shit. You know, Donald, he old, but he got he, he immature. He got a kid in mind. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, they, I mean, with, you know, that sophomoric over there. I mean, Donald there. Trump so they, is basically they can, a shit they can, poster. They can, they can hit like, their like, butt, yeah, like, that's which exactly is like the most is. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a like an almost exactly. eighty year old shit poster. And the, like, you know? the usual <laughs> antics will not work with him. It's just like you said. Um, he's gonna there. The, him and his ilk will judo flip everything. No. It'll be if you could do a meme that or or a gift that would summarize this game. whole thing. It would be 
Steven Seagal, you know, just flipping everybody around as they're trying to attack him using his, his judo or whatever the hell it is. That would be a perfect summation of, of everything. Yeah, yeah, it, especially because of the bad hair and girth. Yeah. It would uh, be extra, extra Trumpish. Exactly. But you know what's, uh, yeah, you know what's really cool with, uh, you know, every predator has this ideal prey, like, you know, like, the, like they might eat several types of prey, but it's like a, ideal prey for a shit poster hillary and her crowd are just mm-hmm. basically made they're like what mice what white mice are for the pet snake like right. they're like the ideal prey <laughs> for a shit poster like like they're so self-serious <laughs> and humorless and corny and out of date like they're made to be shit posted like they're the worst type of thing you could put against a donald trump they're like humorless earnest corny exactly um childish but in a bad but in a way that is like a a bullied person this not is, a bully he's childish like a bully they're they're childish like you know the kid that gets shoved in the locker you know what you're right because i'm looking at this yeah it's childish in the response to in the responses this, to yeah look at this yeah follow that's I'm where looking the at this gotham girl blue just to because that's just the response to, to it lay away to what you guys are saying I'm looking at some of her tweets. Listen to this. It is your fault she's got the time to write a book instead of leading our nation. You're going to listen to us now, damn it. So you that's it's, it's a tantrum. That's petulant. Yeah, it's petulant. It's petulant. It's a tantrum. <laughs> and, and 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 these are the same people who will write threads and each tweet in the thread is one <laughs> sentence with a re- reaction Jeff. It's like a 50 tweet thread and there's like 50 reaction chips like one oh, reaction chip uh, for every sentence and it's like like come on you're a grown person right what are you doing uh, and then joanne reed yeah. comes in and tells her beautifully written i'm just i'm dumb these fucking people man it's just oh, yeah. yeah but it's like what he said bro it's it's, it's these people are are the worms that you put in your fish aquarium that you get from the fish when you go to get food to feed your your fish in your aquarium that's what these types of people are for for the trump guys you know what i mean and they jump in willingly that's the only difference yeah they're, they're the white lab rat jumping right. they don't the yeah because they don't even realize that what they're doing is feckless it's yes. totally ineffective it, my my favorite thing about them is i like when they get mad at Antifa or anybody who does anything to get off their ass. But they come up with the resistance. Okay, so like, what's your resistance? And you look at them and all they do, this is my favorite type of hashtag. Yeah, ha- hashtags, but this is my favorite thing they do. Donald Trump tweets something and they just reply, Sir, sir, that's wrong. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, oh, no, sir, that's because you're a Cheeto head. Like, <laughs> so, so, so is this going to be your resistance? Just like, <laughs> four years of just you tweeting an angry response every time and then you know yeah yep. and then every now and then donald trump will block them and they're like oh he couldn't handle the truth i'm blocked by trump like okay <laughs> that's good i guess and you're he blocked you and then 500 more people just followed him the second that he blocked you you know what i mean yeah ex- exactly and even worse if he does block you then the, then the, that one thing you were doing you can't even do that right as, as as impotent as it was, now you can't even do that one exactly. thing. Well, see, this is what we yeah. what we talk about. Um, there being a great deal of escapism with some of these people, and I'm, I'm 
again, I hate to keep picking on this Gotham Girl Blue person, but this is a <laughs> this is a perfect example it's of kinda that. Hard. It's kind of hard not to. Right. Look, look. Fucking people get on my nerves, man. These people are upset that Donald Trump, and to another degree, but for different reasons, Bernie Sanders and the more left supporters who actually want to get out and physically do work, the Antifas and all of that kind of thing, who really want to fight for revolutionary radical change. These people are upset because they don't get to go. They don't get to live vicariously through Michelle and Barack Obama. They don't get to daydream about going to a big gala or, you know, a surf swagging on the White House lawn. That bullshit that they like to do. There is none of that. There's just pain yeah. right now. They don't give a fuck about any real policy, any real hard work that has to be done to fight for change. They live for the, to turn up, man. They live to be either either be there personally, which is somebody like a Joy Reid. They want to be invited yeah. to the galas and wear a nice dress and talk about how great the first lady looked and how nice everything was. Or they want to live vicariously through the people because they themselves can't be there. But they can project themselves into that position, right? They can identify with the joy yeah. read, with the Barack and Michelle Obama. That's the life of a fan, isn't it? And, and, and they, yeah. live, and they <laughs> live for a seat at the they live for a seat at seat the, the table. table. Like so somebody was joking, like uh, somebody said, I would, I wish I remember who it was. Somebody said, um, conservative, let's build a prison industrial complex. Liberal, let's make sure that a lot of the guards are. People of color and women. <laughs> that <laughs> make sure to warn them. Right. That yeah, make sure to warn them. That's their that's their response to it. Like, yeah. that's, that's how they think. Damn, that's yeah, perfectly. That's, that's yeah, it. I couldn't say it any better than that. Yeah. Um. The one last thing I'm going to say, then after that, you guys can give your final thoughts. What I don't stand about this uh, Verit and this Peter. Dow fake news thing about if liberals, if their whole conceit is that they're immune to fake news and that they're smarter than everybody, and it's all these rubes on Infowars and and on hillbilly Facebook pages believing these stupid stories, and people who read these um, unreliable blogs like Gateway Pundit, if if their take, if the fake news narrative is that it's those people who are ruining the elections, then why is the anti-fake news website geared at the liberals? You know, I, I don't get that. Aren't these people already supposedly digesting real news? Like, aren't they already the converted? Yeah. Like, why do they need protection from fake news as a part of this endeavor that seems poorly thought out to me? You would think you would try to make an anti-fake news site for... The people that you're claiming, it makes you wonder if, the, if even they really believe their bullshit about the fake news. Because yeah. otherwise, because yeah. it seems like to me, it's just, it's just more of that, we just want to create a bubble for ourselves, but we can't yeah, say that. Good. We have to create yeah. this fake... Yeah, it's just another safe yeah. space. That's that's it. It. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. I would like to ask Peter Dow that. You think he'd get on the show? What's that? <laughs> you think he'd get, oh, <laughs> get Peter Dow? Um, uh, you know what? I'll, you know what? I'm serious. I'm going to invite him. I'll invite him and I'll do it publicly. I won't DM DM him, and we'll see how long it takes for him to block me. But if you if you if you want me, I'll. I'll do... I would love to talk to him. I'd love to ask. Hold him on, you know what? You know what? Well, 
that's my final oh, thought. Like I said. So, 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 so <laughs> you can, uh, you guys can say what you want to say. I'm going to write it now, and I knew it. I knew you were gonna do it. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Oh man, I guess basically my my final thought on this is oh, you know, when you when you when you when you see these folks, man. I mean, for for me as as a black man, I just realized, you know, that uh, what uh, Dr. Henry Clark said was true. And he said, we we, had, we we really don't have any friends. The best we could hope for is possibly to get some allies. But like you, you see with, with with these people, I don't even think that's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they they're doubling down on the stupid. You know, the the fact that you you want some of your needs addressed is uh, secondary to the to the fact that they want to get Donald out of there. And you know, for me, you know, yeah, I I really don't want to see him in there. But at the end of the day, it's not really affecting my life him being there that much. Mm-hmm. You know, or any, or any more, or any less than it would if, if if Hillary was there. I don't think. You know, the only thing it is is you're seeing with this DACA and all this is that you're seeing that they're spreading it around, and now people are, are stinging a little bit, and they're they're still they're they're still not gonna you know address the issues that are important to us. Now they, now they want to you know. Uh, and, and you know the board, you know, subjugate our our needs and our our necessities to uh, these immigrants and to you know, what else, the LGBT, and you know, it's it's still more of the same. Yeah. So for me, they could put they could bring Hillary back, they could put Kamala up there, but if they're not doing anything to specifically address, you know, some of the issues that we have going on, and I think that's you know. I think that's what I would like to see us do more of is develop a kind of, um, yeah. you know, uh, put a, you know, a really a solid thing out there that what we need, you know, as a community, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like we need to, we need to, uh, we need to put forth a, a real agenda is what I, we need a real agenda yeah. and then we need them to speak to that agenda. Yeah. And, uh, not just telling us, you know, to stand with her or I think resist or whatever. I, I think everything you said is true. And I'm convinced now more than ever that um for us, for underserved groups, especially for black people, um, that national politics is nothing more than a, a huge distraction. And that hmm. the real work has to be done in the trenches in the local level. I know we hear people say that a lot, yeah. but just seeing how things work, it, it, it's true, man. It's, you have to get, you have to dig in locally and start the change from there and then spread outwardly. Um, because this this thing is just one distraction after another, you know. Um, yeah. Hillary comes back out of hiding from wherever cave she's been in, and you know now we're talking about some <laughs> stupid ass book that she's had time to write. Um, and it it just serves as a distraction. There's a lot of serious issues going on um, locally for a lot of people, and when 
disaster hits, it hits you locally, right? I mean, when 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 the hurricane comes, the people, you know, Harvey, the people of the greater Houston area are the people who are affected. So when you don't, when you're not prepared for those emergencies at your local level, and I'm just using this as as a parallel, um, yeah. you're caught off guard because you're looking at whatever the national issues are. And so what I'm saying is we need yeah. to shore up um, our front at home so that when the yeah. storm comes, yeah. we're not waiting for FEMA to come and rescue us. We're prepared. We've stocked up on food, water, yeah. extra supplies, and we can get the hell out of there if need be, you know. Um, and, and I just think that, um, yeah. If we don't get to the point of thinking about things locally and then like from the ground up, then we're just going to be meandering forever. We're going to have these same conversations yeah. over and over again 30 years from now, you know, well, this, yeah, you're right. and we got to get these tanks, these think tanks going, man. You know, we have there's a lot of work that has to be done. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's, yeah, that's a uh, topic I would love to um, do in a future episodes about the think tanks. Yeah, get an expert on them to um, discuss them because, like I was saying before, you showed up. We're going to be having uh, more guests again in coming in coming months, and that's mm-hmm. definitely one of the topics I would love to have an expert on. But uh, yeah, um, so that's it for the show. And Peter Dow, yeah, yeah, I, I. Tweeted Peter down. I cc'd you guys. Oh God! Let's see. Let's see what he. Let's see what he says. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna be. I'm getting, sure he's gonna ignore it or block me. We're gonna be getting a little black car following me to <laughs> while I'm taking my kids to school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. If he's willing to come, come on. I'll definitely have him. I'll give him a fair shake. Yo, T. Yeah. I don't know, man. You you missed those champagne shots, bro. <laughs> oh man, forget it. He's definitely not gonna. You're gonna get you're gonna now. get like five thousand replies, and they're all gonna be pointing out your spelling <laughs> error <laughs> instead of looking at what you actually said. <laughs> Let me uh, see how how bad how bad how bad did I misspell it? The one letter that I it's uh, always that N and one G letter instead of, a, instead of the P instead of the P you got to oh, oh, oh man. I've lost all credibility. So Shamon, Shamon, Shamon I've lost all credibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The Michael Jackson tribute podcast. <laughs> Just put replace that the replace the shark Abby with uh, Michael man. Jackson doing the moon yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, you know something. It might not be a bad. Maybe they'll. Uh, Put his guard down, man. Because he, he was a musician, man. He might like Michael Jackson. There you go. I hope he thinks he's sh- oh, okay. he oh, Shaman yeah. Shark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Get me out of here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a rap, man. We're like rapping. We're like rapping, man. All right, guys. All right. Have a good one, man. All right, you too. All right.